Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and by Ocean State Bird Club. Happy to sponsor Talking Birds. Why not shake off the midwinter blues with a bird walk? Or if it's too cold for your taste, come to one of our birding lectures or informal gatherings. We're online at www.OceanStateBirdClub.org and Facebook. Discover new ways to enjoy birding with Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 767. Well, here's the sweet sound of everybody's favorite outdoor machine. Yes, it's the gasoline-powered leaf blower. And what's not to like about it? It wakes the neighbors, it drowns out nearby conversations while leading to hearing problems for many of its users. It pocks the paint of parked cars with sprays of sand and gravel, and it spews soil bacteria and toxic pollutants into the air. One study showed that under normal usage, a leaf blower two-stroke engine emits nearly 300 times the hydrocarbons of a pickup truck. And we've now learned that these petroleum-powered poison purveyors also kill millions of insects on which many birds depend for their survival. A new study by researchers from Germany's Ministry for the Environment has led them to describe gasoline-powered leaf blowers as being part of an insect Armageddon. We've seen the reports about the drastic decline in bird populations over recent decades, and birds that depend on insect food have been especially hard hit. National Geographic reminds us that invertebrates like bees, spiders, beetles, and flies are vital not only to birds but to the world's broader environment since they pollinate plants, naturally decompose dead wildlife, and perform other tasks essential to the circle of life. And without the Earth's billions of bugs, says Nat Geo, human life may be threatened. Meanwhile, Washington, D.C. is one place that's phasing out gas-powered leaf blowers with a ban going into full effect in January of 2022. They're enacting the ban to deal with noise pollution. But D.C. Councilmember Mary Che says that as a byproduct of the ban, quote, we will also be the beneficiaries of a better environment, end quote. Maybe we need a leaf blower buyback program. Thanks to our friend Liz Raven at WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts for alerting us to this issue. And now on a more melodious note, what's better than watching the birds in your backyard? Well, it might be counting them while you're doing that and becoming a citizen scientist, contributing to bird conservation in the process. And if you're listening to our show live, there's still time for you to do it. It is the Great Backyard Bird Count, sponsored by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, National Audubon, and Birds Canada. And it continues through Monday, February 17th. To join the 160,000 people participating this year, or to learn more about it for next year, visit birdcount.org. That's birdcount.org. And now for something completely different. Yes, that really is a bird. In fact, it's our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in the show in which we'll give away some amazing prizes, including the beautiful Droll Yankees cute chickadee feeder. Good for any type of food. It even has 
a height adjustable dome so you can actually control the size of the birds you would like to visit your feeder at any uh, given time. Bonus prizes include a perfect way to learn bird sounds in a game format. That's with the LarkWire app. Plus, we have our favorite coffee, a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly, birds and beans coffee. Prizes on our mystery bird contest clues are as follows. Our mystery bird is a stocky, large-headed water bird with black upper parts, a black throat, white underparts, and a stout rounded bill that's yellow at the base and red near the tip during breeding season. It looks very similar to a smaller East Coast relative, generally regarded as one of the cutest birds, or certainly seabirds. But our mystery bird has horn-like projections above its eyes that give it a different appearance uh, from that east coast relative our bird feeds by diving underwater for fish propelling itself with its wings it breeds off alaska and british columbia and spends winters south to washington state and occasionally northern california that's our mystery bird some clues there and our mystery bird contest uh, coming along uh, here uh, this morning shortly Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you right now on our beautiful new TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. More about the great backyard bird count we just mentioned in which you can take part using as little as 15 minutes of your time. An old feisty female cardinal bit the same scientist eight years in a row. Read all the mildly painful details. And in case you haven't seen a chicken on stilts in a while, take heart. We have that for you, too, courtesy of a site called Jiffy. All on our Talking Birds website right now. That's TalkingBirds.com. No G in Talking and on our Facebook page. And a reminder again to check out our new Kids in Nature page on our website for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in nature and birds. So we have some conservation good news and bad news this morning. We'll start off with a couple of bad news stories, then move on from there. In case you missed it, the Trump administration has ended federal protection for many of the country's millions of miles of streams, arroyos, and wetlands, a move that could leave the waterways more vulnerable to pollution from development, industry, and farming, the policy change signed by heads of the Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers narrows the types of waterways that qualify for federal protection under the half-century-old Clean Water Act. The rule changes have been sought for a long time by builders and oil and gas developers and farmers and others, but environmental groups and public health advocates say the rollback will allow businesses to dump pollutants into now federally unprotected waterways and to fill in wetlands, threatening public water supplies downstream and harming wildlife and habitat. EPA head Andrew Wheeler says states are still free to step in with state protections of newly vulnerable waterways if they so choose, but federal protection is disappearing. More bad news from Antarctica, where a monitoring station recorded a temperature early this month just shy of 65 degrees Fahrenheit. If confirmed, it would be a record high temperature for Antarctica. The World Meteorological Organization says the Antarctic Peninsula on the continent's northwest tip near South America 
is among the fastest warming regions on Earth. Meanwhile, last Sunday, on a remote West Antarctic Bay, a 120-square-mile chunk of ice, that's almost three times the size of the city of San Francisco, broke off the front of the imperiled Pine Island Glacier there in Antarctica. Okay, we'll balance off those two bad news stories with three good news reports. General Motors has confirmed that it will invest $2.2 billion to convert an aging Detroit assembly plant into the manufacturing heart of what GM calls its all-electric future. The plant was one of five North American factories GM said it would close in November 2018, but they reversed course as part of an aggressive plan to launch more than 20 battery electric vehicles, BEVs, by 2023. GM has also brought back the big bad Hummer, but it's now powered by clean, emissions-free electricity. Yes, we know that much of the electricity to charge those batteries still comes from fossil fuel plants, but that is changing fast. We'll hear another example of that in a couple of minutes. And the efficiency of electric cars means much less of that fossil fuel is required to propel them when compared with gasoline-powered vehicles. Good conservation news story number two. The folks at Clean Technica tell us that the volume of single-use plastics is declining fast. What was once considered normal is now seen as incredibly destructive, threatening the health of the earth and all of the creatures who call it home, of course, including humans. China has decided to phase out all single-use plastics over the next few years. And now the movement away from such plastics is picking up speed elsewhere. A few quick examples. Tesco, a big supermarket chain in the UK, is eliminating the plastic wrap used to bundle some products together on its shelves. So 67 million pieces of plastic will be removed from the shelves at Tesco stores. In all, Tesco has pledged to eliminate 1 billion pieces of plastic from its stores this year. Here in the U.S., the state of New York will institute a plastic bag ban in March of this year. But not everyone is waiting until then. The Wegmans grocery chain, with stores in the Empire State, has already eliminated single-use plastic bags in their stores. Customers can buy a paper bag for five cents, and the money from the bag sales will be donated to local food banks. And even baseball teams are getting into the act. The Milwaukee Brewers have partnered with the S.C. Johnson Company, which provides the Brewers Stadium's 1.2 million beer cups per year. Now the cups used there will be collected in dedicated receptacles, then picked up and transported to a facility in Madison, where they will be cleaned and flaked. Those flakes will be processed into pellets that can be blow-molded, and the pellets will be turned into bottles for scrubbing bubbles. A partial solution to be sure, but a sign of awareness certainly, and some progress. And finally, good conservation news story number three. Kellogg's is finally dropping Roundup. I know that sounds like the name of a cereal, but it's actually a possibly carcinogenic weed killer known as glyphosate that finds its way into cereals. The nonprofit Environmental Working Group commissioned tests of cereals and other foods sold by Kellogg's as well as by General Mills and Quaker and found glyphosate in virtually every sample analyzed 
sometimes at levels far above the benchmark of 160 parts per billion that scientists say is safe for children. Since the test results were released, more than 300,000 consumers have signed a petition calling on Kellogg's and other cereal makers to remove the weed killer from the processing that leads into their products. And Kellogg's now says it will take steps to phase out the use of glyphosate with dry oats and wheat before harvest, eliminating the possibility of that harmful chemical getting into many of the company's cereals and other foods. General Mills also says it will phase out the use of the weed killer. Quaker says any traces of the weed killer in its products are at a level that already meets safety standards. One more conservation thing. It's our conservation salute of the week, and it goes to Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo, who has committed her state to obtain 100% of its electricity from renewable sources by 2030. That would put Rhode Island on track to achieve 100% renewable electricity faster than any other state in the country. That target is just an executive order for now, but the governor has directed the state's energy office to come up with an action plan, including proposed legislation, by the end of this year. So our Talking Birds Conservation Salute of the Week goes to Governor Gina Raimondo and her colleagues in the great state of Rhode Island. I just want to thank you. We want to say thank you, thank you all to some more amazing Talking Birds listeners who have transformed themselves into Talking Birds ambassadors while still being Talking Birds listeners. We hope. Thank you so much to JP from Northampton, Massachusetts, out there in the beautiful Berkshires, the modest mountains of Massachusetts. Thank you so much, JP, for helping us spread the word. And thank you to Nancy Archer from Henrico, Virginia. Nancy says, I've been a birder for many years, but I'm now just discovering birding podcasts. How great to listen while cooking, doing dishes, etc. Getting work done while learning about my favorite subject is a win-win. Thank you. Well, thank you, Nancy. We can picture you now just making up a big stack of hot flapjacks in the kitchen as we speak. Well, dear Talking Birds listeners, please consider joining Nancy and JP and the now more than 450 listeners who have joined our Ambassadors family to help get the word out about our show, which we produce on behalf of birds and conservation. To join up, just go to the Get Involved button at the top of our page there at TalkingBirds.com, and you'll see how to do that. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in an almost live archive edition of Let's Ask Mike, in which Mike will tell us about a customer's sighting of a most unusual bird. And up next, as if that gas-powered leaf blower weren't bad enough, another loud machine is about to lead us to today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Introducing the Surf Scooter. No, it's not the latest jet ski variation. The surf scoter is the most striking member of the sea duck genus Melanita. It also includes, in North America, the white-winged and black scoters. That striking appearance is seen in the black-bodied adult male's distinctive white, black, and orange bill that combine with the white patches on its head 
has earned it some colorful nicknames like Groggle Nose, Old Skunk Head, Muscle Bill, and Skunk Headed Coot. And because surf scoters don't seem to react to the sound of firearms during hunting season, they've also acquired the nickname Deaf Duck. And by extension, of course, individuals often end up being referred to as Dead Duck. Surf scoters breed on freshwater lakes way up in northern Canada and Alaska. And in the winter, they're seen along the coasts of the U.S. and Canada. The surf scoter gets its common name for its tendency to forage in breaking ocean waves, where it feeds mostly on shellfish. Blue mussels are said to be its favorite food. That may explain that muscle bill nickname. And researchers estimate that the enormous flocks of surf scoters off the coast of British Columbia may consume about 43 tons of mussel meat daily, weekends included. Melanita crispicillata, the surf scoter. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again, and thanks for joining us here on our show number 767. We hope you'll tell your friends about our show. If you like it, if you don't like it, don't say anything. But we hope you'll visit our website. It's a beautiful new website that we've put together. We kind of like it, and hope you will. It's TalkingBirds.com, and please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talking Birds. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Hello, I'm Ed Begley Jr. And wherever you call home, the sounds of wildlife connect you with a greater family of life. That's why you shudder each time you see woods, marshes, meadows, or grasslands being destroyed. You know that countless birds and other wild animals are losing their homes, the greatest threat to their survival. Among the growing number of threats to wildlife, habitat loss is the most devastating. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust offers a humane solution working with private landowners to protect habitat as permanent safe havens for wildlife. When you hear the familiar wild voices you love, remember, your voice is the one that can speak for wildlife and for the land they call home, ensuring that it stays forever wild. To learn more, to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Not the most melodious mystery bird, but here it is. I think that was a fair comment about the sound of our bird. This bird out there in the sea, it's a stocky, large-headed water bird with black upper parts, a black throat, white underparts, and a stout, rounded bill that's yellow at the base, red near the tip during breeding season. It looks very similar to a smaller East Coast, extremely cute relative, but has horn-like projections above its eyes that give it a different appearance uh, from that Eastern version. Our bird feeds by diving underwater for fish, propelling itself with its wings. It breeds off Alaska and British Columbia and spends winters south to Washington State and occasionally northern California. We have a beautiful raft of prizes here this morning, including the Droll Yankees Chickadee Feeder, good for any type of food, four-and-a-half diameter dish, inch that is, that holds a cup of sunflower seed, mixed seed, fruit, 
or mealworms. It even lets you manage the size of visiting birds with its height-adjustable dome. Bonus prizes include from our friends at the LarkWire app, that beautiful app that helps you learn bird sounds while playing a game. So that's kind of fun. You don't actually know you're learning, but you, you really are. It works on your iPhone, or if you don't have an iPhone, it works on your um, computer, your laptop or desktop or what have you. And another bonus prize is a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. The coffee that actually does help save the lives of birds by preserving their environment in the wintertime down in the tropics. A 12-ounce bag. Another bonus prize here on our Mystery Bird Contest. The number to call is 781-837-4900. Take a guess if you're not sure because a drawing will determine our winner if we don't get a correct answer. So you could get the wrong answer, as they say, or the not-quite-right answer and still be a winner. 781-837-4900 is the number, and please do call us as soon as you can. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike in just one minute. Talking Birds. We're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds in conservation. My name is Amanda Schroyer and I'm calling from Madison, Wisconsin. I have been a Talking Birds listener for two to three years. I love the introduction. It's very friendly. What I like about being a Talking Bird ambassador is you meet so many nice and unique people and you get to share your knowledge with those other people. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. It's Mike O'Connor time. Let's ask Mike. With Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. It's raining here in the South Shore, but of course I know it's sunny down there, right, Mike? Jim, right. It's always sunny. Mike, what an unusual bird that's been reported to you, I think, from Steve from New Jersey, right? It's not a melancholy mallard. It's not a melodious merlin. It's uh, what is it? <laughs> a melanistic mocker. Whoa! That would be a yeah. mockingbird, right? Probably a. Right. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do an impression. It's a mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, it was Steve came in last, I think last last Sunday maybe, you know, it was after I got the show, he came in and he brought in his phone, he goes, I got a picture I want to show you guys, and and that's very exciting for us, because we all run over, because it's usually, you know, it's a, some weird bird in the yard, and we all run over, and we go, oh yeah, yep, that's an Oriole, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much of excitement we have. But when he showed us this picture, it stopped us in our tracks. We're like, mm. whoa, yeah. because it's a great dark gray bird. Looks like a look like a catbird, only with the yellow eyes of a mockingbird and the yeah. white wing patches yeah. of a mockingbird and that bad attitude of a mockingbird. <laughs> and so, so we, I, I looked at it. I showed it to Casey, my son, and then we, there was a couple of birders in there. We all gathered around, and yeah, it's a. a a melanistic mockingbird. Now, melanism is what gives the birds colors, and sometimes birds lack that, and they become albinos or leucistic, which means they're white patches. We have a sparrow 
then comes around the store with a white head. Uh, been around for years. We call him Baldy because we're very creative. <laughs> and, and and but in this case, this bird is dark gray all over. So yeah. mockingbirds are traditionally light gray on the back and kind of white on the front, and this is dark gray all around. It's a really cool looking bird, and I think all mockingbirds ought to jump on it because it's a, it's a it's a good look. But it's overproduction of melon and. I know if you look online on the melanistic birds, you'll see some really cool birds. I saw one picture of a, field, uh, a pond of flamingos, all pink, 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 and a, and a mm-hmm. black one standing wow. in the middle. And it's a really cool look of, that's going around. Yeah. Well, the BBC Earth's Dynasty series, they have a, a Pisces penguin uh, said to be the first all-black emperor penguin ever filmed. Wow. So, I gotta look uh, that up now. Now I got yeah. something else to do today. Add, add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is. It's yeah. it's a kind of a generic genetic defect with the bird producers and, and other creatures can do it too. Squirrels notably you see uh, black squirrels throughout the country, some in a few pockets. And it's just kind of a, a defect, but sometimes they can actually spread it a little bit if the recessive genes get passed on with the, the correct mates. Boy, but it's a, it's a cool-looking bird. And so, yeah, so thanks to Steve from uh, from New Jersey, right? For, New Jersey, yeah. For, for that. Yeah, so I'm looking, I'm going to look for this emperor penguin story on a dynasty. This is the first emperor, but apparently uh, this melanism has been seen in other penguin species, including king penguin, royal, adeli, chinstrap, gentoo, and macaroni penguins. That would be your melanistic macaroni. And your most delicious of all yeah. the things. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. All right, good talking. See you next Talk week. Yeah, bye. Mike O'Connor there at the legendary Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com newsletter. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, and we'll play the sound of our mystery bird one more time, but we'll play it at a low level so it won't be quite uh, so obnoxious. A stocky, large-headed water bird with black upper parts, black throat, white underparts, and a stout, rounded bill, yellow at the base, red near the tip during breeding season. Looks very similar to a smaller East Coast relative, but has horn-like projections above its eyes that give it a, a different uh, different um, appearance, is what that does. Okay, that's our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number. Incredible prizes from Droll Yankees and Lark Wire and Birds and Beans coffee and tyler is in riverside rhode island there good morning tyler good morning good morning good morning riverside i i know it well i'm i'm originally from uh pawtucket rhode island uh tyler so i know riverside and that's uh, the home of and i think part of it is still there crescent park am i right um, I wouldn't know. I actually just moved to Riverside uh, <laughs> like a month and a half ago. Okay. <laughs> still learning well, the area. You'll have to discover it. I, I think the carousel is still there. It was an amusement park a long time ago. But in any case, uh, back here at the Mystery Bird uh, Contest, uh, Tyler, what uh, what do you say that bird I is? I think it might be a horned puffin. Let me check on that as a horned puffin. Yes. Nice job. And not a lot of them to be seen in the Riverside area. 
No, you got to travel for those. <laughs> indeed, yes, indeed, you're uh, absolutely correct. And uh, if you'll stay on the on the line there, Tyler, we will arrange to send you all of those uh, those lovely prizes. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Tyler, there in Riverside, Rhode Island, correctly identifying the horned puffin as our mystery bird. If you've seen pictures of puffins, you've seen we see pictures of Atlantic puffins often carrying fish in their mouth, kind of in a crosswise way. The horned puffin does that. And I just read this thing the other day that one individual horned puffin was observed carrying 65 fish at once. Pretty amazing stuff there. And that is it for our show this morning. Coming soon, the Talking Birds Book Nest. We'll see what's hatching there with concise and condensed birding book reviews hosted by noted children's book author and poet Susan Edwards Richmond. Coming very soon here to Talkin' Birds. Thank you to our amazing Talkin' Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Happy to sponsor Talking Birds. Why not shake off the midwinter blues with a bird walk? Or if it's too cold for your taste, come to one of our birding lectures or informal gatherings. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Discover new ways to enjoy birding with Ocean State Bird Club.